Tales from the Wild. Stories from the Heart. A journey into the mind and soul of fired up business professionals where they share their vision for the future. And hear from a different non-profit organization every month as they create awareness of their goals and their needs. Dive into a world of untamed passion as we join our host Shireen Buerta for this month's episode of Friends from Wild Places. Hi, good day, Quedak professionals. Shireen here. I am your virtual bookkeeper and QuickBooks advisor from Shireen's Bookkeeping Services. Did you buy secondhand machinery for your business and need a couple of new parts to get it running smoothly? Or did you buy an old truck for your business that needed a new engine? Those are fixed assets that need to be added to the books. But the amount you put on the books is after all the fixer-uppers that get your asset to the intended purpose. Not your purchase price of the asset, but rather the price after all the costs before it becomes useful in your business. For more tips and tricks, call Shireen's Bookkeeping Services today. And if you want to know more, go check me out at www.shireensbookkeeping.com and take one step further and hire me as your bookkeeper and keep your books clean. Awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening in from anywhere that you are. I appreciate all your support, and I'm very excited to introduce my co-host to you today. It is Rick Copley. Welcome, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to to be here, happy to be inside. I live here in Central Florida, so it's hot as hot as can be outside. So happy to be here, happy to share, happy to just come talk to everybody in the, all around the world here from your podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks. You are so welcome here. So how Rick and I met is through BNI. Surprise, surprise. And uh, his chapter name is BNI Golden Triangle. And you guys have heard me speak about BNI over and over again and how I think it's so beneficial to business owners to be a part of a networking group. I mean, Rick, the listeners have heard me say how it grows you as a person and grows your confidence in, in public speaking. It's an amazing way to grow relationships and to grow your business and so much more. So I think they're done listening to me. And I would love <laughs> to know what is the one thing that you love most about BNI, Rick? Uh, you know, BNI is such a great, has such a great function for a business owner. Because it really focuses on what we often don't see from business owners. A lot of people, people in business oftentimes just work. They sell stuff, they make stuff, whatever. But the reality of it is that most of our best sales, most of our best customers come from networking and growing relationships with people. And BNI has such a knack for being able to teach people the right way to do it, right? And to connect people and hold them accountable. And you know, I can't say enough about BNI, and I'm super, super proud to be part of BNI. And it's really, you know, it's really BNI is really for people that are on that. I don't want to say upper level, but it really is people that kind of think with the higher mindset, right? And if you're serious about being a business owner, you're serious about sharing what you have and developing relationships, highly recommend BNI. You know, I'm sure you've said it in the past, but you know, I can harp on it all day. But yeah, BNI is definitely worth it for me. 
Right, that's true. And thank you for sharing that. So if there are any business owners out there and professionals that would like to join a networking group and not sure which one they would like to join, you are more than welcome to come and visit. My networking group is called High Performance Referrals. We are a permanently online group that meets every Tuesday at 7 a.m. PST time. And if you are a business that can work from anywhere or you are a business that's in the Bay Area, California, and you would like to come and visit, you are more than welcome. We have a couple of chairs open and available, of which there is a lawyer and a CPA and an enrolled agent and architect is some of the few, but that doesn't matter. If you want to come and visit, please email me at shereen at shereensbookkeeping.com, or you can go straight to the website, High Performance Referrals website. It's too long for me to, to regurgitate to you over the mic, but I can go ahead and put it in the show notes for everybody. So you can find it there or you can just Google High Performance Referrals and the website will come up that way. But yeah, you can also email me as well. Or if you're watching on YouTube, put it in the, the comments below and tell us a little bit about yourself and that you are wanting to come visit. We would love to have you. Rick is owner of the Fit Life Meals in Eustis, Florida. So I'm excited to have him on board with me today. And I most importantly would love for everyone to hear his story. And he's going to definitely share now. I just want to start off with an awesome quote that I read the other day. And I thought it would be quite applicable to many of the things we're going to be discussing today. And that is success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And that's by Winston Churchill. So I'm excited to hear your story and I'm sure the listeners are as well. So Rick, please let us know from, from the background of how you got to where you are and you opening the business and the ups and the flows that went with that to where you are today. Go ahead, share with us. Lots, lots of failures and not a lot of loss of enthusiasm, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I guess a lot of people when they're, when they're, when you were younger, right, we feel certain things and we go in certain directions. One of the things that I always did is, is I was always an athlete and I always wanted to compete. And I was like, I, I got drawn and pulled into that high school, college, all that. That's kind of like the, um, for me, that's a fitness, it's a personal, it's what I like to do from a work Right. You know, we all have, when we were younger, we go get a job, right? I worked at Pizza Hut and various other places, sorting mail. We have to make money. And so for me, as, a, as an athlete, I was drawn to compete as a, as a, you know, that's my physical thing. When it comes to working, I was drawn to wanting to lead or wanting to kind of do my own thing. I didn't know what that was when I was younger, but I did have a father who was a mentor of mine, an amazing man who was a business owner. And I saw him as a business owner. And I always kind of thought like that was a good lifestyle. I enjoyed the process of seeing him work hard to earn and at times struggle because it was his responsibility, right? And so that was kind of always what I, what I felt I was, was going to do. And so I, I tried different businesses when I was younger, had many businesses. I tried to open a gym. Or I did open a gym. I tried to buy another gym. <laughs> I opened a gym, did various things, started a painting business. All the businesses that I had when I was younger, meaning before I had started the one I have now, 
I don't want to say they all failed, right? Because that's not, you never really fail. You learn, you have experiences, but I didn't have the level of success that I always kind of envisioned for myself. Mm -hmm. And I kind of always had to start over, which is fine. And I certainly didn't think when I was younger that 49, I'd be washing dishes all day Saturday. And as I was explaining before we started recording that I've been washing dishes and cooking food all day today because you know the, the business I own, the Fit Life Meals, set every record that we keep track of for our, our delivery, our meal orders and deliveries, everything this weekend. So it's been a crazy hard day and tomorrow's going to be even harder, but that's okay. I'm totally fine with that. I love washing dishes all day. Awesome. But, you know, I opened a gym here in Florida a, a good number of years ago. Love that process. Love being a gym owner. But but the kind of gym that I own, we called it was called a boutique gym. So basically what it was, a higher membership fee, less members, more service. It, it it's a great, it's a great philosophy. It's a great thing. I loved it. Mm. It's just super hard to kind of make money with this, something like that. So we were kind of always struggled a little bit financially, which you know, I've never had like a high lifestyle expectations, right? I was never into big cars or big trips or anything. I was perfectly fine. I was loving my life, coaching people, doing all that. That was great. So my wife and I owned that gym together. But there came a time when the gym started, the gym wasn't paying our paying the bills. And there was, you never had that experience. I'm sure everybody's had that. And talking to the audience, we've all had that time. We're like, okay, we're doing something, but it's like, is this working for us? Don't we want more, right? Yes. My wife, Teresa, so we've been married for almost 11 years now. My wife, Teresa, loves cooking and she always loves meal prep. So I can remember, you know, night after night, we go to the gym, we do our thing, we teach class, we work out, driving home. She was always on her phone, just trying to find recipe, like looking up unique things to make, right? Because she loved it. She loved cooking, loved doing all that. So one day, one of our friends, a matter of fact, a former business partner in the gym said to Teresa, hey, could you do me a favor? She's a teacher. Could you make me lunches for next week? I'll pay you $50. You make five lunches for me. Teresa like flew into it headlong. She loved it. She planned it, designed it, made great, got these containers and it was great. And we thought about it and like, you know, I've always been a business entrepreneur. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if we could do this as a business, right? But this was like 2014. I think it was like seven, seven, eight years ago. And so that kind of idea was in our mind, but it didn't, nothing happened. So fast forward to 2000, 2018, early 2018. Financially, we, we, we had another business that was had done well, but wasn't doing as well. We were in a position where, and again, talking to the listeners out there, who's had to do this, you got to get a part-time job, right? Kind of fill the bill, fit the, uh, pay the bills. And that's what Teresa had to do. Right. So she was cleaning carpets for a friend of hers. And at first it was just a few hours a week, but then after a couple months, it was almost full-time and, and she hated it. So yeah. we got to a point where we say, okay, Remember the meal prep thing? Let's do it. We're like, so we had like a moment of like, hey, let's pull the trigger. Let's get it done. So mm -hmm. I went online. I ordered some meal prep containers. I ordered containers and they sat right over there in my living room for about six or my, my office for about six months. Awesome. Again, it was when you want to do something and I mean, there's lessons and everything, but when you mm -hmm. want to do something, you really need to go at it full force. You need to be behind it mentally, physically. And we just weren't at that point. A few yeah. months later, Finally, that level of disgust, right? That level of like, okay, we're done with where we are in life, hit a, hit a breaking point. Okay. And I said, you know what? Make a menu, make some meals. I'll make a website. And we did. And I did. So we just put it out there. And so we own it. Like I said, we own a gym. So we're like, hey, we're going to do some meal prep for some of our gym members. We had like 30 members of the gym. We figured a few people order meals. We'd have a little side hustle going, right? Nice. So I put it on my Facebook. And I think the first week, like 25, we get 25 meal orders. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So she, Sunday, she did it. She, she that was, this is her thing. 100% oh. her thing. I went hiking with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so did like 25 meals and then um, put them out. 
And so that was, so that was a weekend. Uh, it was a Sunday. We did Sunday. She cooked and Sunday delivered. That was October, 2018. So four years later, we have not missed delivery of food. Oh, wow. Not once have we missed. So, you know, people talk about like family emergencies, which totally get vacations, this, that, whatever. People have things we haven't missed. And that's part of our success. And, you know, when you listen to my story, again, those of you out there that think about starting a business or own a business, you're hearing my story, take little things from it. I always try, one of the things I try to do is I try to learn and listen. Like if there's one little nugget I could take, be consistent with your product, be consistent with what you do. So that was October, 2018. Start with like 20, 25 meals. Next week, we made a new menu, a few more meals. Mm-hmm. Week after week, more meals, more meals. Now, mm-hmm. after a month or two, we're like, okay, let's let's do this right. So we went, you know, did the process, like the business license. We mm-hmm. got a, a found a place to cook, a commercial kitchen to use and rent, and et cetera, et cetera. Building, 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 learning, right? So we didn't start with an idea of having revenue of you know six thousand dollars a week, right? Which is our mm-hmm. our max week, and that was this past week, or twenty plus thousand dollars a month. We didn't think about that. We were just like, hey, we did twenty meals this week. Let's do twenty five meals next week. Let's increase. So we got to a point where we were getting more efficient, learning as we went. Again, there's no manual for like, hey, let's 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 have a meal prep business that dominates your region, right? Let's mm-hmm. start it out of your home and let's let's kill it. There's none of that. So we just kind of took it one step at a time. We figured out pretty quickly that we had a service that people enjoyed, right? And so we focused on customer service, doing a really good cu- job of customer service. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that knows a little bit about a lot of things. I've always been an entrepreneur. I knew how to make a website and had taken money and how to do the basics. She knew how to meal prep. So we took those two skills together. And that's another thing. If you can find a partner that can work with you on that. So we started doing that building, building, building. We got to a point where we were, I don't want to say we've ever struggled. We've we've never struggled. We always worked hard. Mm -hmm. We've always worked harder than you could imagine working, you know, getting up at five o'clock on Sunday for four straight years and, you know, working some nights it was eight o'clock. We're finishing, you know, just long days, no breaks, Mm -hmm. go, go, go. But we got to a point where we were, we were trying to hit a number, right? You know, you set business goals and business goals is 500 meals in a month. That was the goal. So we had done 125 in a week and that was our max week. And so, and for, for like six months straight, we couldn't hit that 500 mark. We're like, we're trying, we're trying. And then something happened and something that we all remember. And we were all there. It's one of those things, wherever you went, right? COVID, mm-hmm. my gym got shut down, mm-hmm. right? So here's what happened to my gym shut down. And maybe some of you have this experience. My gym shut down. So what did I do? Got a bunch of puzzles, right? We're like, oh, I can't get to work anymore. I can't do anything. Got some puzzles, just kind of just sat around the house, watched some movies, but that lasted for a little bit of time. And then I said, wait a minute. We have this business here that can really serve a lot and we're not being affected by COVID. Sure, mm-hmm. buying food was a disaster and it was, it was crazy, it was hard, but mm-hmm. well, if we're just going to focus on business, we're going to grow. So within three months, we were doing 300 meals a week and we were growing, growing, learning. I decided to invest everything mentally, physically, emotionally into the business, Right. working harder than I, I would ever suggest anybody work, right? Doing more with everything. And we got to a point where we were, we outgrew going to a commercial kitchen. We said, fine, we're going to make our own commercial kitchen. So we opened up our own commercial kitchen here in town. We didn't have to drive for an hour anymore to the city of Orlando. So we opened up our own commercial kitchen and, you know, everything, we always kept expanding, expanding, expanding. Now we've been averaging 500 meals a week, right? Out there getting 500 units of of salads and foods and family meals and fruit cups, all these things. And this past week, when I say this past week, I mean, literally right now today, 647 meals. So now we have a system where for it, takes us 48 hours from seven o'clock Friday, seven o'clock Sunday, us and our crew, we have several employees too. We have delivery drivers. We developed this system 
We get hundreds and hundreds of meals out to our customers. One of the things I'm proud of, and I'm proud of a lot of things with this business because we really, we really put a lot into it. Right. And Google, Google my business or Google reviews, not one negative review. Facebook, not one negative review. Nothing nice. but positive vibes out there. And we've, the last three weeks, we set a lot of records. But one of the records I'm probably the most proud of is new customers. We're getting new customers every single week. So mm-hmm. I started a business from in an industry that didn't exist really. There was some companies out there doing stuff, but most people certainly in our area, hey, wh- how can I find meal prep? Now, if you type in meal prep near me, we're the only one that comes up. You know, there's some other little, there's some others. I shouldn't say we're the only ones, but we're the only big ones. There's some small restaurants that do some catering meal prep, but we do it. We have developed a business and it's like all hard work, you know, but we've been very consistent. We've been smart. We've tried, you know, we've really focused on our customers, focused on product and customers first. And when you do that, again, lessons and everything, right? You focus on your customer service, focus on the quality of your product and your systems. I say that there are three P's, the product the process and the people, right? You have those three things. You focus on those three things and then the profits come. The P, you don't really think about the three, the fourth one comes when you need it. So we've been able to create a profitable business by doing that. So one of the reasons we joined BNI is that I was at the point in my business where I was ready to, to level everything up, right? So we're at, we now own our own kitchen. We have the capacity to do more. So I wanted to create more connections to get out and talk to more people. And so you know, one of the things with BNI and kind of getting back to what you said earlier about, hey, BNI is a great organization. Yeah. BNI, one of the drawbacks, and it's not a drawback, but people think of it as there is an entry fee, right? So you got to pay money to be part of BNI. Yes. But when you do that, it's like anything else. You pay money to do anything. It raises your level of what you're doing. The service is more. You know, you could, you. it's free to walk 10 miles down the street, but if you pay for a car, you can have a car, right? You get there quicker. So mm-hmm. I earned my money back in BNI in the first six weeks. And I've now earned 50% more than my initial investment in the, the six weeks since then. So I've been part of BNI three months. So I did that. There's lots of other little things we're doing just advertising, but really trying to level up my business because, and again, I'll kind of finish with this is like one of the things that my wife and I have done is we've, we've kind of, I don't want to say there's an end game. There's never an end game, right? Mm-hmm. But we kind of have a vision where we want to be mm-hmm. at a future date, both professionally and physically. And so in order to get there, we have to, they're, they're puzzle pieces, right? It's like anything in life, you need pieces to your puzzle. Mm-hmm. And so we know what those pieces are. And one of those major pieces is this business. And so in order for us to get where we're get, we want to get this business to the point where it's just a great business, profitable, and we can, you know, servicing a lot of people and there's a lot of value there. So that's kind of my story. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of a bunch of things in my life. Well, first and foremost is my amazing wife. If you ever, you know, those of you that follow me on Facebook, if you're watching this, if you want to follow me on Facebook, please feel free. You'll see pictures yeah. of her all place. She's amazing and stuff. So proud of my wife. I'm proud of this business. I'm proud of my son who's a nuclear engineer in the Navy. Yeah. And, you know, it's just going into that second half of the first century of my life, right? And I'd be turning right. 50s is, you know, I'm looking back and, and proud of certain things and I'm proud of all that, but I'm also looking to the future and wanting to be proud of what happens in the future too. So I'm working hard and I'm thrilled to be here. And that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing and the fact that you are almost 50 and you know you've you've been through multiple different businesses and changed your career a couple of times and now you're in the food business and doing yeah, a great crazy. job crazy how that works out right <laughs> it's fantastic it's such a, a victory story and I like that and and the fact that 
you had to go through a couple of failures and failures are not a bad thing. They are lessons learned, you know, and you just started using them as stepping stones and then get to the next one, to the next one. And here you are. So thank you for sharing that with me. I wanted to know the difference to you and the other food prep businesses that are out there? You know, that is it. That's a wonderful question. The answer is a little weird because I don't know. So that's the answer because, because here's why. The best way to develop your uniqueness in your product or service is to have uniqueness in your product or service. If you look at other people and what they're doing, then you're all of a sudden you're second guessing. So you're looking at meal prep company down the street going, wait a minute, they have whatever. Maybe I should have that, right? Now, mm-hmm. don't, don't get me wrong. We look at other companies, right? Like we see, okay, like one of the, when we went to, we went to a comp, I went to a, a CrossFit competition in California a few months back and there was a meal prep company that sponsored the event. We're like, oh, we're going to order some meals, right? Yeah. And so one of the meals that they had we just copied. We told them like, hey, we're going to copy this meal because it's great. And it's one of our more popular meals now. So we do look at things like that. But I can tell you that like, when I look at, there's a couple of bigger companies in the area. I know they exist. I've actually, we were at a, another competition, bought food from one of the other ones. We know they're there. We tried them. It was great. So we see some of the things, but I don't want my business to be compared to other businesses, nor do I want to look at what they do and say, oh, I'm going to do that better. What mm-hmm. I'm going to do is I'm going to give it's like the old, the old adage, right? Have you ever heard this, right? Like, okay, raise your hand as high as you can. And then someone, then you say, well, raise it higher. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to raise as high as it could the first time, right? right. So I want, what I want to do is, and, and I actually did a training on my Facebook about this recently on my YouTube channel, is not reach my potential. Right. And, and I, and, and I think that's a mistake a lot of people make right. and everything. Here's my potential. Like I, like I talk about weight loss, my weight loss goal was this, right? It's like, okay, what if you reach it? I don't want to reach my potential. I want to continue to strive towards my potential. So I want to have a business like, okay, I'm doing 647 meals a week. There was a time when, and that's kind of how we measure a meal unit is like a fruit cup or a family meal. It's just a unit, right? It's how many labels I make. That's how I, I, I printed 647 labels. But there was a time when we were like, we had just hit a hundred. We're like, whoa, hundred. And we threw out the number 200. And my wife and I, at the time, I think it was just us. We I may have had one person helping us, but sure. we can't do that. A 200 is too many. We're going to have to, there's just, this just too much. Right. right. So there, there's always this, just, there's no, like we would have said back then, okay, 300, that's the max we could ever do. That's our potential. I right. never want to look at that. And you never should look at that. You should always say, okay, one of the people ask, how many meals can you do? More. <laughs> you know, we could do more. And so right. that's what we're always kind of looking for. So if I'm looking, okay, this company's doing a thousand meals, this company's doing this. I don't want to see that because that's not me, right? I want to just be, I look at my business and I want to stand out from my business. I want to better myself. So I want to look in the mirror and say, okay, I want to be better there. So again, I always focus. And I think all businesses are different, but we all have this. We all have people, right? So we all have customers, right. we all have a product or service, mm-hmm. and we all have a process. We all have systems. And, I, and I'm always looking at those things. And I don't do it with blinders on, Trine. Like I kind of do, I kind of don't. Like I don't do it with blinders. Like I'm just going to do my thing. I'm not going to care about what anybody else says or does. Right. But in a way I do, because I want my systems to be better. You know, there's, there's certain things like I'll get people that are email me cold call, whatever, regarding a website or a, a packaging system, or whatever. And I oftentimes will look or talk to people because I never know kind of what would, what, what else I can do to improve myself. You know, when the website was one of the best thing, our website, it, we have a company that does it, yeah. pay whatever X hundred dollars a month. They do it. The best thing I've ever done. The best thing I've ever done. I used to hand do my labels on Google docs. 
took me like six hours. It was stupid. Now I have a printer here. I press a button, it just all prints out. I'm like, okay, why didn't I think of that earlier? But again, that's little process things that you learn as you go. And no matter what your business is, you can always learn more of those. So yes, you can watch other businesses. Okay, they're doing this. I'm going to kind of emulate that because they do that well, right? right? But as far as what stands out, what makes my business better, don't know. Don't, don't necessarily get in the business of comparing. I do look at other things. And the other thing too is in an industry like mine, which is weird, I don't pretend to know a lot about bookkeeping, right? But I know there's probably a good number of bookkeepers out there. So you have to kind of stand out. When you look at my industry, my business, what we do, nobody else does this. Right, right. So it's a different, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a different type right. of marketing strategy. So for me, marketing is more, I don't know why I'm top of the marketing, but <laughs> I just keep talking. But marketing, to me, marketing is more about educating people that we that this service exists. right. Right. It's like, Hey, by the way, and people like ask questions like, wait a minute, how much is it per day or something? You know, it's like, okay, no, no, that's not how it works. You look at the, you know, whatever you want, you can spend a hundred dollars a day if you want. But you know, because my business is kind of different, I just try to, you know, I try to just push forward and I don't know what the future holds for my business because I don't have a model to follow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So can we ship? I don't know. Is that something people could do yet? Maybe that's what some companies do. Do I want to do that? Another, could we franchise? Could we open a set? I mean, I just don't know. So, (laughs) right. And you raise a valid point, which I think you're not the only person that struggles with it. I think it is a human struggle. And I say that because comparison can be a very big downfall for most of us. There's nothing wrong with learning from from something or from someone else or in that's healthy that's not proper but the, we seem to go on the other extreme of comparing ourselves to other people's businesses and lives and journeys and roads and want to be better or why am I not there why am you know how come I haven't reached the goals this person has reached and that is yeah. a very deep dark hole to fall and very hard to come out because once you're in the habit of doing that it can be one of the many reasons you do cause yourself to stumble and fall and fail and get up again and you know that's something we gotta like smack ourselves over the wrist every time we start thinking and going down that road in our minds is to stop ourselves and go you know what I'm on a road that no one else can walk. My road is very unique to me and I'm happy with that. And I will take responsibility for this road because I'm the only one that's capable of walking it. And I cannot walk so-and-so's road. I can't walk your road, Rick. It's, It's not possible. Your road is not meant for me but your road is meant for you and we need to accept that and, and make peace with that. And that's actually exciting knowing that, that your, your road is built for only you and, and embrace that, you know? So yeah. What is one of the greatest lessons Rick you have learned in starting your own business? Every day is a lesson. And I think that one of the lessons, gosh, there's so many lessons in it. And it, like, literally it's like, I'm learning things every day. I think the biggest lesson is, is really just setting goals is great. Right. And I believe in goal setting, but I also believe you need to be flexible with what your future looks like. Mm-hmm. So when I was in this business, you know, a year ago, there I didn't know where I'd be now. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing that regardless of where you are, you have to be flexible with where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing and kind of, and I said a little bit earlier regarding like our numbers and that's kind of what we keep track of our meal numbers. We always want to be a little bit better. And I, and I think the biggest lesson there for me is learning how to do that and just to be a little bit better 
all the time. And so there was a time and I remember, okay, here's where I want to be. But then I started thinking like, you know what, I'm just going to work the process, work the system, right. spend time. You know, one of the things I, I talk about when I do like lives and stuff, I talk about weight loss and things like that, taking responsibility. And it's like the results, let's look at weight loss. And that, this one, it's an easy metaphor. The, the side effect of changing your lifestyle is going to be weight loss, right? If, you're, if that's your goal. Instead of focusing on weight loss, say I'm trying to lose weight by doing X, Y, and Z to lose weight. Focus on the process and then the effect, the side effect is going to be weight loss. Same thing in a business. So if you're looking, so instead of saying, hey, I want to make whatever, $100,000, instead of focusing on that, say, okay, today on Monday, I'm going to send out my reminder text to my new customers. On Tuesday, I'm going to send out my, you know, so you have this process, focus on the process and then the rest of it's going to kind of come in line and be flexible with what happens at the end of the process. So mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the big, bigger things I've kind of learned how to do is really just hone in on that process. You know, the people, the products, the process, hone in on the process, hone in on, on really focusing on the people. And, you know, I could say people, products, process, profit, right? And I never include the profit part because that doesn't matter. And that's not something you can affect, right? You could affect it. Think you can talk to more people. You can improve your processes. You can make sure your product is top of the line, right? You can you can you know, focus on those things. We had an issue today where we're doing trying to remember exactly. It was one of the oh, our, our employee, our helper was like, I have two extra things of peanut butter. I'm like, well, why do you have two things of peanut butter? Well, they're supposed to go in the waffles, right? Like, oh shoot. Well, it's like, well, go find them, go find them, so that you can make sure that they get them right. You know, so want to make sure focusing and getting those things right. So that's when you talk about lessons and whatnot, every one of our businesses are different. But for me, at the end of the day, the most important thing, lesson I've learned is to really focus on those things. And then profits, which is obviously the goal is the side effect of all those things. Does that make sense? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you know, the, the last thing I just want to chat about as well is, is being a business owner and listening to your long days, 13 to 14 hour days, I mean, I'm assuming it's 13 to 14 hour days. And I can relate to that because uh, being in aviation, we used to work 13 to 14 hour days. And it's great to be busy. It's great to be working hard. But you also need to look after yourself and take the time to refill your tank because you can't give from an empty tank. So, Rick, what is one of the things you do to refill that tank? Yeah, there was a, a time earlier this year, I think I worked 65 straight days. Was it 65 straight days? And it was just, just because and I get up, I work, right? That's what I do. <laughs> I get up and I work. And so the way I look at it is that for me, and I've, I've gotten much, and that was really just, a, I had a side project I was doing. I, I, when I want to finish something, I, I, I can work hard. That's one thing I never accused me of is not working hard. So I look at it from a, a micro and a macro sense. Okay. So every day you need to have some sort of way to kind of detach, right? One of the biggest problems people have is that they, they detach too much right? Or they detach in the wrong way. So we start doing things that are, that are going to negatively impact us. People like smoke and drink and do stuff like that, overeat because they're stressed, whatever. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just detaching. So one of, what I'll do every, every night, my wife and I do this together every night, we watch TV. And mm -hmm. so we just kind of step back. It's no work. And, and I work out too. So one, the couple, a couple weeks ago, I had someone that was like, really want to get a hold of me. And they were, they were sending me messages on Google My Business and on Facebook. I mean, it's just all these messages calling me and I'm like, I'm working out. You're, I'm not going to answer any of those things while I'm working out. 
but I do work out every day. My wife and I watch TV every night. The other thing we do is we, we've been trying to, we've been doing this more this year. We haven't, we didn't do vacations for a long time. I think it was like seven years, no vacation. But then, then we did a couple of vacations. Now we're going once a quarter and we live in central Florida. So we're in Orlando area and we're driving up to North Georgia. As a matter of fact, I think that my wife is doing it right now. She's planning our next trip. But every three months or so, we go up and stay in a cabin, just nice. detach for, for the week. Because we do our, our work on the weekends, we can never go away on a weekend. And when we do, it's, it's, it's a disaster because it's just, it's just too hard to do. So we go away like Monday to Friday. But we go up to the cabin, take the dog, do some hiking. I work a little bit because, you know, there's always kind of some little things to do, but yeah, I just kind of detach, sit in the cabin, look at the views, enjoy the weather and stuff. So that's kind of how we detach in more of a macro uh, standpoint, but micro, you know, I work out every day and yeah, I watch a little bit of TV every night, but yeah. And the rest of the time is filled. And as a business owner, and you know, this, like you kind of, if you allow it, work will kind of seep in and fill every nick, nook and cranny of your life, you know? And so I try to have those little moments. The other thing I do is that I don't, I don't respond or do anything at night. Like my phone is always off. Like you cannot call me at two o'clock in the morning because it doesn't matter. The phone is off. My phone's always off anyway, but <laughs> you're still like call me. So I detach overnight. I, so once I'm in, in bed watching TV, I'm dead to the world until I get up at six, you know, six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thanks so much. It's so good to hear that because I think it's very important to voice that. So I'd like to introduce the next visitor to join our little duet to become a trio. Her name is Yolanda Orichel. Now I'm saying Orichel, but I might be not saying it quite correctly, but I, I love her name. It's a beautiful name and I'm excited to introduce her to you and to the listeners. So let's just welcome Yolanda and get her into the room with us and we will continue. Hello, Yolanda. Can you hear Hi. us? I can. Where That's is just your beautiful here. face? <laughs> Where's the camera? There she is. Hello. Oh, you look Hi. beautiful. Welcome. Thank you. This, this is my uh, bad hair day. Don't care. Putting on a hat. Going to Target day. <laughs> I, I, think I have those days too. Hat. I have those days too. So I get it. Dory, me too. Me too. I actually was going to wear a hat today, but I didn't. So thank you for wearing a hat for me today. I appreciate it. Well, thanks and for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, well, welcome. We were just talking about, we're finishing up and, and I was just thanking Rick for being part of the podcast. And Rick, I know that you have a podcast. Why did you start a podcast? I did, I did a podcast several years. It had been, it's been several years. Okay. But I can tell you, like, when I was growing up, I think I'm, I, I don't know, maybe I'm dating myself, but this is like in the 80s. I used to listen to talk radio and I absolutely loved talk radio. And I always had this vision and, I, and I've always been like, like I, like, and I watch stuff on TV, like I watch baseball. I'm like, I want to be a professional baseball player. Right. But I wanted to be a radio host, like a talk show host. I, right. And this is back. Well, this is decades where podcasting ever invented. And then when podcasting came out, I'm like, I'd be kind of cool. And so I set my sights and have my own podcast. And I did, I did over 120 episodes, I believe uh, mm -hmm. it was called the the Fit Life Podcast of all things. Now my business now is called the Fit Life Meals. Yeah. But yeah, I did that podcast for for a couple of years, did like 120 episodes. But you know, it kind of ran its course. And but I I did it because I really wanted to, just like I still do. I do it on my Facebook now. I do Facebook Lives. I do educational stuff all the time. One of my one of my missions in life, or purpose in life, is to empower people to make good decisions about their health and to be more 
because they make the decision, take responsibility. When you were talking earlier and you said responsibility, I said, yes, <laughs> that's why I know I like you because you're talking about taking responsibility. And so I believe that people take responsibility for their health, make those good decisions, but I want to empower people to do that. So it's all, it's always all about education, giving back, helping people, maybe inspiring a little bit. I don't know, but it's, it's kind of given inspiring people to empower and empowering people. And that's really what I've always wanted to do. And that's, you know, I did that with the podcast a little bit. I do it on Facebook now. And, you know, I do it as much as I possibly can. You know, I want people to be healthy. I want people to live their best life, right? Mm -hmm. And I want, but I, but I don't want to give anybody anything, right? I want people to be empowered. You know, it's like, here's, here's your best life. Take it, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> I want people to give people the tools they can build their own house, right? Instead of giving well, them right. So, well, that's, that's why I, I brought Yuli on. Uh, with us just before we we move on to you Yoli talking about podcasts because I know you want to start your own and since yes. you has had a history of doing podcasts and you're on this one now I wanted to bring you on because we're talking about podcasts and so I would love to talk about Buzzsprout. Today is a great day to start your own podcast whether you're looking for a new marketing channel have a message you want to share with the world, Yoli, blink, blink, wink, wink, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your websites and your episodes and more. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know we sent you and it gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. It also helps support my show. So Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. So I just wanted to share that with you. You know, if you want to find a very good platform buzzsprout is good with that so awesome you. thank you <laughs> well yolanda thanks so much for joining us yolanda is also part of bni and part of a chapter called beach cities and i just wanted to first ask you what's your favorite i asked rick this already so what's your favorite part of bni oh gosh the relationships that's easy <laughs> Building those wonderful relationships with people with many backgrounds, many passions that all come together, of course, to promote their business. But the bottom line is it's that human connection that really makes people tick. And, um, you know, if you can grow your business from that, then that's, that's just gravy, right? Exactly. And that's one of my favorites is building relationships as well. So that's awesome. So Yolanda is executive director and founder, as well as a cancer warrior herself. Her business is called Cancer Kingship, and it's found in Newport Beach in Orange County. So again, so good to have you on here. And I'm super excited for all the listeners to hear the next story. Yolanda is an inspiration and her story touched my heart. And I'm so blessed and excited that she came onto my journey and onto my road. It wasn't on purpose. It just happened. And the moment we started chatting over a one 
one and she started sharing little bits about her story, I knew exactly that I had to have her on the show. So thank you so much. And yes, please to share to myself and Rick and the listeners your story and everything about it because it's all good. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm very long-winded. So please just cut me off if you have questions because I could just go on and on. You know, I always start my story by sharing the family side of cancer and how my family has been deeply impacted by cancer. I always start there because that is like the dark elephant in the room that has uh, deeply impacted our family. And then from that, a lot of beautiful things have come from it, despite feeling a lot of loss and sadness and grief. So my story started really when I was six years old and I heard the word cancer for the first time when my mom was diagnosed and she was in her 30s. She was like 36 when she was diagnosed and she battled it, woman of faith, did everything that she could to stay alive. Unfortunately, the cancer spread. She passed away at the age of 42 when I was 10. And my father, bless his heart, raised seven crazy kids on his own. And uh, so, you know, we are a loud, rambunctious bunch. And my father's a musician. We always had music and, you know, a lot of uh, joy in our home. But losing my mom really affected us deeply. And we really did lean on our love of music to kind of get through and lean on the family. Like the kids were each other's babysitters. My dad worked his tail off. And we, we powered through. And so fast forward when I was 31. I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, found it on Thanksgiving day. You know, I was getting out of the shower, I was drying off and I felt this sharp pain in my breast that made me touch, like hold it like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And that's when I felt the lump and I was like, oh my gosh, this is cancer. Like immediately in my head, I didn't think, oh, it's not possibly, you know, maybe it's nothing. No, I was like, this is cancer. Mm-hmm. I just now need to confirm it. Because like Rick just said, like empowering, like knowledge is power. So for me, I didn't want to shy away from it, didn't want to cower. I wanted to know what it was that I was dealing with that would cause this pain. Like it caught my attention. Now let's do something about it. So within a week, I went and had a a primary care physician appointment first. And then he sent me to my very first mammogram ever. So I was 31, too young to get like the the regular mammograms and, and an ultrasound. They both confirmed that I had advanced stage cancer. And then, you know, then I freaked out. Of course, I was scared. I cried a lot. And then the worst part, though, wasn't even finding out. It was telling my family. So, you know, it's just it's it's hard breaking people's hearts, you know, especially my family, knowing how scared they are of the word cancer, especially my father's. So, yeah, that was like the, the biggest battle I've had to confront. The biggest thing I've had to confront in my life was cancer chemo, radiation, bilateral mastectomy, lots of surgeries, lots of cancer treatment. But here I am 15 years later. So that's the story that I tell. It's like, yes, the most horrible thing happened 15 years ago, but here I stand. And if I can overcome it, so can you. But it it obviously didn't didn't happen magically. You know, (laughs) just a lot has gone into the survival more than just the cancer life itself. Like what happened after, which I can talk about later. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Did that lead up to you starting cancer kingship? Getting cancer, defeating it and going into remission is one thing, but it's the life after that, that impacts people that have suffered from cancer. It doesn't end there. So what triggered you? Something triggered you to realize that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. 
Sure. So it was actually two things. So when I was one year post chemo, when I was done with cancer treatment and I was on my healing journey, my breast surgeon, bless her heart, asked me one day, hey, I have this wonderful young lady who is about your age, who is about your age and got diagnosed, is, is really scared to take the next step to say yes to treatment or yes to surgery. You're doing fairly well. Can you just tell her your story? I was like, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll connect with her. So we met for coffee and we laughed, we talked, we cried. I answered questions, told my story. We were there for almost two hours. And the next day she called my doctor and said, I'm ready to go. And then my doctor called me and said, what the heck did you tell her? And I said, I just shared my story. And she said, I think that story may have saved her life. And she's alive and well today now. That kind of started my mentorship experience because then my doctor kept calling me and then other doctors started calling me. And then before you know it, I was mentoring patients all the time and did that for many years while I fully embraced my life as a survivor, right? So I started doing like the races and wore the ribbon and really talked about survivorship differently because I was in love with my life. I fell in love with my life all over again after this was done, really appreciated my new life that I was given, the gift of life that I was given. So anyway, yeah. And so that's really what prompted and kind of opened my eyes to the importance of sharing your story. But never did I think that I wanted to start a nonprofit. Now, backing up, when I was 16 years old, I started working for a nonprofit, volunteering first for a nonprofit, kind of grew up in this, in my nonprofit, which is a boys and girls club in my hometown of Central California. And, you know, grew up from volunteer to program staff to program director, interim exec. And then I moved to Orange County and stayed in the nonprofit sector. So I've been in the nonprofit sector for 30 years now. Wow. So I, you know, I love this, this idea of serving your community and we can truly support each other. And, and so many wonderful benefits come from linking arms and supporting community members. So I was already in that work, and, but I didn't think that I wanted to turn this mentorship experience into a nonprofit. It wasn't until I, my sister, who is, uh, I'm the youngest of seven, the second youngest sister, she was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and she didn't tell us for a year. So she did not have her support system in place. She lived up north and unbeknownst to us, she was dealing with a domestic violence situation. She's also developmentally disabled. So all the uh, big barriers in life she was experiencing while going through cancer. And then we found out she had cancer. I brought her here and within six weeks, she passed away. And that loss crushed my soul, crushed my heart. I was so heartbroken over the fact that you know, here I am, eight-year cancer survivor, mentoring patients, helping patients. They're thriving now, and we couldn't support and, and provide the resources to my sister. So I felt really guilty, and survivor guilt is something, let me tell you. It will take you down that slippery slope into straight into depression if you let it, and I knew that I couldn't stay in that space because I have a lot of family members depending on me. And, you know, I, I knew that if I didn't address my own emotional, my grief, then, you know, I, I would get depressed, something bad would happen. So I started hiking, just moving, getting out of my home and connecting with nature and sweating it out and trail running. I love trail running really just helped me kind of get centered and really look inward. And I started praying a lot. I am a Christian woman. I love the Lord. We have a, we talk all the time, the Lord and I, and really started asking, okay, Lord, like, then why did you save me? Why am I here? What can I do since I'm still here? And then I got another phone call from my doctor and she said, Yoli, I have another patient for you. 
And I said, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm so sad and grief stricken. This client's going to need, or this patient's going to need to support me. I'm a mess. And she said, I think you can do it. And who cares if you cry? Just you're here. Tell your story again. Just tell your story. Lead with your story. And I said, okay, but if I start crying, this is going to be your fault. <laughs> you know. But I went and I was very nervous. And again, I had this lovely conversation with this very scared young lady. And, you know, it just kind of opened my eyes. Whoa, like despite being so scared and grief stricken, I could still help somebody and gravitating back to the story. So um, anyway, it was then that I, then I started questioning, okay, well, what can I do with this? You know, I'm asked all the time to, to support, to be a mentor. So could I create a formal program? Now that is my expertise. I know nonprofits. Hmm. I help nonprofits grow, strategize, develop programs, measure their programs. That is my jam. I love it. So then I'm like, well, I can, if I teach people how to start a nonprofit and how to make them sustainable, then why can't I? So yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride ever since, but that was really the, uh, those two things being asked to mentor and serving in that capacity, connecting human to human by sharing a story and then, um, really looking inward, but also for me tapping into my faith. And tapping into nature and saying, okay, well, how can I serve? Because I'm still here. So the rest is, is history. We're four years old now. Our nonprofit is four years old almost. Love it. And if I could just give that doctor a shake of a hand right now. I mean, she pulled you out of something dark and just said, yay, come on. Yeah. She's, She's amazing. need you. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Get to work, sisters, what she said. She's amazing. Her name is Dr. Carpenter and she's our board chair. You know, I, I shared with her the ideas that I had and early on when it was just a concept, a little seed in my heart, I told her, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And would you be willing to sit, serve as the leader of our board? And she said, yes. And she's been serving for four years. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's um, great. I think, you know, there's so much in that story. That's just awesome and amazing. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we get better inside by helping others get better as well, right? So we, the, when we give back, we give back to ourselves. It, it almost like everything we give back, give out, you know, comes back to us in, in by 10 or more, right? So yes. if you, if you have like something in your life and you start a nonprofit and I mean, it's not even like something big, like what you're doing. If anybody out there can just do some sort of community thing, something to help out. You know, Shireen's doing this podcast and she's putting this out there and, and all kinds of people get to hear great stories right. and they're not paying, they're not giving her anything. She's not getting anything from it. But what they're, what she's doing is kind of giving back to the community, right? And so you're doing your nonprofit. We do stuff too where we're helping other people and it always feels so good, right? And so I commend you on doing that. You've taken a negative circumstance, right? But you've turned it into a gift for other people. And I think that's great. I, I, I applaud you for doing that. And I'm, I'm definitely Thank curious you. to hear more about you, what, what you've kind of started and, and what, what your organization does. Right. Sure. Well, what struck me also, and while I have been, while I have had been serving as a mentor is that at the end of almost every conversation, the newly diagnosed cancer patient would then turn around and say, well, how did you start doing this? And how can I start doing that when I'm done? Like almost every single one of them. And, you know, I want to help people too when I'm done. And so I think that gives them a sense of purpose too. Like it gives a purpose to their cancer. So that to me, I'm like, okay. So when I was praying and hiking and thinking about what to do, I kept remembering 
that question. How do I get to do what you do? I'm like, well, yeah, we need to create a program where we walk alongside a newly diagnosed patient with the ultimate goal of bringing them down this continuum of being starting off super scared and worried, anxious to this hopeful place where then they can now serve and walk along somebody else. And then that person can become a volunteer. It's just this cycle of hope. So if you look at our logo, it's Cancer Kinship CK, and it has the, these circles. And that is, I always talk about cancer being a tornado. So you feel like you're like thrown into a tornado and you're spinning around, yeah. but there's hope in that, or there could be hope in that mentorship experience. And so that's really where I spend the significant amount of time developing this peer mentorship program. It's called Cancer Connections. And that was the first program that we launched in 2019. So I did launch the org November of 2018 with help from a lot of people. It was like a hundred volunteers before launching that I engaged, I spoke with, I had a business coach, several business coaches, actually. I brought in a team here in my home. I was like, let's name this organization. I will feed you and give you wine, but let's name this organization. You know, let's figure out programs. Let's come up with a volunteer plan. And the, the idea just grew from there. And when the business plan was said and done, I think it was like, 38 pages or 40, 48 pages it was very comprehensive, but I had this, this game plan. I had this roadmap. So anyway, cancer kinship developed, I'm sorry, launched in 2018, November. And then it took us a whole year to raise a little bit of seed funding, uh, secure my board, secure partnerships, and just kind of start spreading the word a little bit that this was brewing, that this idea was turning into something. And then in October of 2019, I had a wonderful conversation with the CEO of my cancer center. And he's like, what are you up to? And I told him this idea, this nonprofit that I launched a year prior, and I'm trying to get it off the ground. And he's like, well, what do you need? And I said, I need 30 grand to quit my job and go. And from there, I'll keep raising some funds. Like, I need a grant. I need a big push to get me going. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I have to survive too. I have to work full-time somewhere else. And this could be my little passion project. But if I really want to get this off the ground, this is what I need right now. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can find it, but let's see what we can do. And long story short, I ended up getting the grant and that was like a transformational gift for us. You know, it's huge. A startup, little nonprofit got 30 grand from a health system. Like that was massive for us. And I feel really blessed that my own cancer center said, yes, I believe in you go for it. So that really got the first program off the ground in October of 2019. And then um, the other core programs there. So there's four total right now. So peer mentorship, we have a survivor empowerment and education program that really touches on workshops that are non-traditional for the most part with a focus on mental health. I read this interesting study that said that if you don't, if people don't address mental health, then it reduces their life expectancy by up to 61%. And uh, also looking at suicide and cancer and that cancer patients have a, a risk 13 times higher than the overall population during the first year of within di diagnosis, even when treatment is working and even if there's a support system in place. And it all attributes down to, to fear, right? Fear, mental health challenges, not having the coping mechanisms to overcome that fear. And so that those two statistics really opened my eyes. And, you know, I know how hard I fought to stay alive. So, you know, seeing somebody reach their breaking point where they feel like they can no longer keep fighting or keep going or keep living to the point where they're thinking about how to take their lives like that, we need to address that. And nobody's talking about cancer survivorship in that way. 
You know, we look at cancer survivorship, we think pink ribbons and excitement. And yes, there's a lot of that, which is great. But, you know, what happens to the people after they're done with treatment and they're left alone? You know, and that's where depression comes in, anxiety, panic attacks, fear, worry, concern, all the things that create an inflammatory response in your body. And then now you're at risk for getting a cancer recurrence. And when it comes back, that's really when it could take you out. Let's just call it what it is. it's, It's a death sentence for many, many people. So we don't want the cancer to come back. So my focus is, or for cancer kinship, is to address the emotional impact as a way to reduce cancer recurrence risks, improve their quality of life so that they can live wonderful long lives and thrive as a survivor. So, so yeah, that's, that's what we're focused on. So empowerment education workshops. And then because I like having fun, (laughs) I always say cancer is dark and heavy and depressing sometimes. Such a big challenge. We need to bring fun back in our lives. How do we do that? And so it's by building community, bringing people together, you know, people that have this shared lived experience of hearing the words, you have cancer, bringing them together for fun, engaging activities. But I also say it's my sneaky wellness program, because at the end of the day, I want them to be active. So if we can get them walking, we can get them hiking, go to the beach, get some vitamin D, build community, reduce that isolation, then we're doing a good job and bringing fun back into their lives. And Last but not least, this is the program that we launched during the pandemic because of the pandemic is our community resource navigation program, because for many, cancer is not the worst thing happening in their lives. Many of them are dealing with homelessness or risk of being homeless, not being able to pay the rent, keep the roof over their head, food scarcity, not having enough food to eat not being able to put gas in your car. You have to decide, am I going to buy food for my family or put gas in my car to go to treatment? You know, am I going to, you know, some of them are sleeping in their car. Some are dealing with domestic violence and scared. And so we have a lot of clients that come to us with these huge barriers that are preventing them from focusing on their cancer and cancer treatment and preventing them from, in many cases, to even get treated at all. And we identify their needs with them, prioritize their needs with them, come up with an action plan, link them up to nonprofits that address all these issues because we can't, I can't pay the rent for folks. I I don't have a food pantry, but I know who does. And our organization knows where to send them. So how do we link them up in as much of a warm handoff as possible? To, so that they don't fall between the cracks. And we check on them. We're seeing how did it go? Did you connect with them? Let's do a three-way call. Let's get these resources for you. So then you can contr- concentrate on your cancer treatment. And so that program has grown tremendously, very high touch, time intensive, but also for me, the most rewarding. You know, I've seen people that were living in their car and now have their own home and going to treatment regularly and are doing okay, you know? And so it's, it's hard, hardest thing I've ever done in my life professionally and personally it's heart-wrenching work I cry all the time with my clients but so fulfilling it is incredible and we're positioned to grow you know going into our fourth year and surviving the pandemic here we go you know it's it's go time to now we're in a position to grow right and I'm behind you all the way and I know you're going to do great things in the future because your your story is very inspiring and so my next question is can people donate or volunteer Yes, and yes. <laughs> so interesting. So when you started 
our conversation earlier, you mentioned you, you called cancer kinship a business, which I appreciate tremendously because we are a business. And a lot of folks seem to think that nonprofits are, it's a free program, free to operate, you know, but at the end of the day, we do have operational expenses. Mm-hmm. We have uh, marketing expenses. We have internet. We have to pay for and phone services and provisions for meetings and workshops and such. So when people ask, where does your money go? of the money goes to support staff salaries. And we're hoping to raise an extra hundred grand by the end of the year so we can hire two more people because we're getting so many calls and I need to grow my team. So almost 60% of it goes to staff salaries and benefits, everything that goes along with it. But the rest is our operational expenses. And so, yeah, where people can donate, we definitely accept donations from either corporations, like a sponsorship, if they want to support our program, family foundations, just any kind of foundations that have a grants program, we do apply for grants. But the way that nonprofits can really move the needle are through individuals, people who have income to support and to share with us. And, you know, if they want to set up a recurring gift, that's like an easy way to give, you know, 10 bucks a month adds up really quickly. And those recurring gifts really do help us tremendously. So yes, and definitely looking for volunteers. Now we did have to pause our Cancer Connections peer mentorship program during the pandemic because we've launched that program a few months before the shutdown and it prevented us from doing outreach at the cancer centers at least for the first year year or so because they were going through telehealth transitions and we're all just stuck at home so we tried to do a virtual training we did recruit some some volunteers but we're going to relaunch that program so if there are cancer survivors who are listening to this podcast that want to share their own story and serve in that capacity as a mentor, please reach out because we do have a training program. It's very easy half day training program. And then the idea is for us to continue doing outreach at the cancer centers, or if people find us on Facebook or Insta, for example, then we can pair them up and then we can support that one-on-one relationship. So yeah, people can volunteer. I'm looking to grow my board from eight members to 15 by the end of next year. So if people have an interest or have served on a board and are willing to serve on another board, then we can certainly chat, but starting out possibly as an advisory council member and then work their way up to a board. So there's a process, of course, but I'm open to ideas. You know, we had I had a, a bank reach out recently and they're like, we're doing an employee wellness program. Do you have volunteer opportunities for our employees? We have about 100 and 100 and X number of employees. I'm like, yeah, let's come up with ways for them to reduce their cancer recurrence risks by being active and then sharing their story. Volunteer to share your story. That's volunteering, you know? So we can think of outside of the, out of the box ways to volunteer and to give back. But um, anyone that has a cancer history, of course, we want to connect with them. But anyone who has a passion for this kind of work, please reach out to me. Happy to connect. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Yuri, for that. So let's jump into something a little bit uh, more fun, if you want to call it that, since Yuri has been talking about the fun and positive side of it. I want to do a little bit of a game. It'll just be a quick one. It's Never Have I Ever. Have you guys played Never Have I Ever? That was 13. (laughs) Well, let's, let's... I don't think I've ever actually played that game before. Okay, well, here's it. I'm gonna but say... I can follow along. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. So I'm going to say never have I ever, and I'm going to finish the sentence. If you have, put up your hand. And then I'm going to, for the listeners, I'll tell you who's put up their hand. And then you have a story to share. And we'll let you tell the story. So are you ready? All right. Okay. Never have I ever jumped out of a plane. 
Okay, for the listeners, it's just myself and Yoli with their hand up. Rick does not have his hand up. So Yoli, go and tell me (laughs) the girls have dumped themselves out of an airplane. That means nothing. (laughs) All right. Tell us your story, Yoli. So when I was going through cancer myself, I linked up with somebody who became my person, like my best cancer survivor, best friend, my heart sister. And she and I were the same age, kind of same personality, same doctor, same everything. Like we were like mirror stories. We decided when we were done with treatment to celebrate my friend's birthday, that we were going to go skydiving. We'd never done it before. I've been wanting to do it since I saw my very first skydiver land in a rodeo arena when I was like five years old. I'm like, someday I'm going to jump out of an airplane and do that. So anyway, I had forgotten about it at that point. And my friend, she's like, let's go skydiving. I'm like, all right. So I invited my brother. She invited her brother. So the four of us went and we were probably like two years post-treatment. We were scared. It was the funnest day ever. And we got hooked. So we went back like two months later, jumped again. We did so many tandem jumps. It was almost embarrassing because they're like, when are you guys going to go after your license? You know, like quit doing the tandem and just go for it. So anyway, I decided, my brother and I decided to go after our skydiving licenses and went through the testing. My brother, completed his training. It was actually during the time that I found out about my sister and she was diagnosed with cancer and I went into full-blown care provider mode and I brought her here to Orange County that I stopped skydiving and then was kind of recovering financially from the craziness of not working and take care of my sister. So I was broke. I couldn't afford the sport and I have not returned since other than two more tandem jumps that I did for my birthday in Arizona. But my drop zone, my home drop zone is in Lake Elsinore here in Southern California. I love the sport so much. Like it is so liberating and thrilling. And it's just, you learn so many skills. But again, the best part of the sport is the camaraderie, your sky family. You know, so I've made a lot of skydiver buddy friends. We're all a sky family. We still hang out when we can. But yeah, I was, I've jumped, I think, 16 or 17 times. That's awesome. That's awesome. On my bucket list someday. (laughs) You got it, Rick. It's amazing. I know. I want to. I want to. I just never gotten the chance to. I guess I gotta stop being so busy. (laughs) We're we're gonna have to plan a a skydive, all three of us together, and then we're gonna talk about it, record it, and then that'll be part two of this this episode. Or if Rick decides to go and do it without us, that's fine. He has to message us and tell us how it was. (laughs) And this one hundred percent, I will. It's a video, so we can watch it with you. (laughs) That's awesome. Very cool. Never have I ever ran a half a marathon. Uh, (laughs) We all have. (laughs) Rick. I've run many half marathons. (laughs) Really? Tell us your story. I've actually, okay, so I have a good half marathon story. And this is, this is really, and this will be, and I think it actually um, has, has relevance to kind of our conversations. So, and and about challenges, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have cancer. I've never had cancer. Actually, my dad passed away from cancer. So I do have some, some experience, but anyway, 2008, I broke my leg. I broke my leg in March of 2008. It's playing flag football. Boom. Broke my leg. So I remember this is, this is kind of more my personality, right? I remember lying in the ground thinking like, I got a broken leg, right? You could, I could just tell. And I remember thinking like, okay, now I get to start to recover, right? Even though I was literally lying on the ground, now the recovery process starts. And one of the first things I did, I crutched, you know, I got, had surgery, whatever, crutched home, signed up for a marathon. And so, but the marathon was in, <laughs> I want to say it was way too close, but it, which it was. So anyway, so I broke my leg in March. 
cast for six weeks. Um, I had surgery. So they actually, which is actually a good thing when you break your leg. So six weeks, couldn't move my leg. Then I started walking. I think six months later, I could run in November. I had, I had stayed in shape. I had worked hard at the gym. I ran a half marathon and I almost won that half marathon. I finished second. Wow. It was most amazing. Wow. Like, because I had focused so hard on, I was so laser focused on staying in shape and trying to recover is that I just managed to stay in good enough shape to once I started running, I could start moving again. And, and it was funny because it was, it was my local town here is a smaller half marathon, maybe 150 people, whatever. And I was in first place and a guy caught me right at the end and sprinted by me. I'm like, you just ruined a perfectly good, perfectly good story. <laughs> so close. <laughs> But I ended up, I did do the, I originally had signed up for a marathon, which was like a month later. I decided not to do that because I don't know, it was just a little too much. I, I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? This is stupid. Why do I want, what am I going to try to accomplish for running a marathon? So I actually did a half marathon that day instead of a marathon. But yeah, so, so I broke my leg March 8th and I ran a half marathon in November. Wow. 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 So there you go. So That's yeah. That's an awesome story. Getting back to what I said earlier, my wife and I both lost our fathers to cancer right about the same time. And so it was actually, sorry. It was actually right before we got together. It was like three or four months before we started dating. It was October. Uh, she lost her father. I lost my father in November. So it was, they both had lung cancer. So kind of like a little bond that my wife and I both have. But so I have been there, you know, with the losing someone close to you. And it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And, I, and you know, it's all these years later, it's a dozen years ago. And it still impacts me. It still affects me. And so kind of, and, and, and when you're talking about what you do with, with trying to help people after having cancer and people having, you know, high rates of suicide and depression and all that, that stuff, it is hard when you obviously have it yourself. When you lose someone, it's a very similar type of circumstance where something is just missing. And, and it's still this day, it's impactful to me. Like, yeah, I think about it sometimes. It brings a little sadness, you know, and even depression. It's like, oh man, you know, there's, you're missing something. I was taken from you because of some random disease. And so it's definitely something that it takes a long time to process. And what you're doing and helping people is great. And I applaud you for that. Thank you so much. And, you know, you said something earlier about you don't, you're not giving them anything, you're empowering them. And that's something that I talk about a lot with my clients is it's about regaining control. Like when you hear the words, you have cancer, all of a sudden, like your control is out the door when you're just kind of thrown into all these doctor appointments and this and that treatment. And you're just kind of going along with a ride and this whirlwind, this tornado. But when I talk about, you know, your own health, how do you focus on your own health? Well, take control back. What are the things you can do? You, what you put in your mouth to eat, the amount of water you're drinking, the amount of sleep you're getting, like those are all things to help your body heal, but you're taking control back, do it, you know? And so I think that's super important to be able to to kind of, to open the, the eyes or look at health differently. You know, it, it is taking control back. And um, a lot of mental health challenges come from feeling out of control, not having control. Yes. So yeah, thank you, Rick, for your comments. Definitely. All right, guys, we've uh, come to the end, unfortunately, of our session and our show. But before we go, I uh, would love to hear from both you, Rick and Yoli. There's going to be people that are listening and there's going to be people that have been inspired by your stories and would like to maybe reach out to you. Would you mind just sharing where they can find you uh, if they want to reach out to you and if they 
there's any last things you want to share before we leave, that'll be your time. So Rick, you can go first. Absolutely. Uh, I have a website, the, the rickopley.com. I have a blog there. Basically, I put out content uh, and all revolves around empowering people to be better in business and do better in their, their health. And I always teach people that you know, we're talking empowerment is kind of a good theme for this, this whole talk, but your, your mindset, you need to have a positive attitude. You need to empower yourself by being responsible, taking responsibility for your health. Obviously things like cancer are going to come and there's nothing many of us can do about it. But what we can do is we can empower ourselves to be, to get through it stronger by being stronger, being healthy mindset, positive mindset, all that stuff, moving your body, eating right. All these things can set us up for success if something does happen. But uh, that's kind of my, my final thought. If people want to reach out, I, I, I love Facebook and Instagram. They can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Rick Copley on both those, those social networks and they can follow me. And if they're in central Florida, you can order meals and I can cook food for you. So <laughs> check out the Fit Life Meals. Uh, that is my, my business here in central Florida that I'm super proud of. And um, you know, I'd appreciate anybody reaching out, following me and uh, anybody could kind of reach out, um, email me and ask questions or I can empower you to have success if you'd like. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Rick. And Yoli? Sure. So the easiest place, the two main places where people can find us with current information is ours on the social media. So Instagram and Facebook are the two main ones. I've been a little resistant to TikTok just because I don't have time to do one more social media outlet, but we probably will end up there at some point. I am on LinkedIn for the professionals who want to connect on a professional level. We're there. Our website has a contact page where you can input your email and be added to our email list. Or if you want to send me a personal message, you can do that through the contact and I'd be happy to connect back, answer questions or link you up with resources, especially those who are going through a tough time battling cancer. So here to support our website is cancerkinship.org and our, our handles are cancer kinship. That is awesome. So listen, guys, please take the time to go to that website and donate if, if you can. Or if you are in the area, donate your time because that's just as good as your money. So please, if you're looking to serve the community or to, to make a difference, I really encourage you to go to Cancer Kingship and go and donate any, any time or money. And yes, so if you want to look for me, I'm also on the professional side on LinkedIn, Shireen Boerta. Uh, for the podcast, you can find me on the website at friendsfromwildplaces.buzzsprout.com. That's friendsfromwildplaces.buzzsprout.com. If you're watching on YouTube, I encourage you to like, comment, and subscribe, and then leave the comments. Tell me what you think of the podcast. I'd love to hear and share the podcast. It's on all the platforms to download. Share it with your friends and family because your support is needed. So thanks so much for listening. And Rick and Yoli, it was such an awesome time having you on my show. I'd love you back on here again sometime. So thanks so much. And we'll see you guys next time. And remember, you got this. And stay wild. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Friends from Wild Places with Shireen Buerta. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast from the links to catch every episode and unleash your passion.